You're listening to WGSR, bringing hope and comfort to the world, 24 hours a day. Hi, I'm Suzanne Lynn from Z88.3 Afternoons with Suzanne and Shadow. Join my friends Mike, Fritz, and Trish on WGSR, bringing hope, comfort, and encouragement to the world 24 hours a day. Stories Radio. This is session one zero zero one hundred, guys. I'm Fritz. I'm Mike. I'm Trish. And I'm Tina. Who'd have thunk it? One hundred. Three years. That's so exciting. Session one hundred. Wow. I'm I'm just uh just blown away. Just absolutely blown away. When we sat here kind of reminiscing before the show and just thinking about What's the your ones we one? could remember, <laughs> right. you know, and you think of a hundred of them, it's hard to remember them all. Right. You know, some of them do stick out and then, you know, some of them, uh, well, what's our, uh, most listened to session. Beauty from ashes. Beauty from ashes. Number yeah. 10. Right. Number 10. All right. Um, one of the ones I remember that really sticks out is number, I think it's number 60 where the, when she was telling the, given the testimony, there was a, uh, and she asked for, she needed help, and she asked for the help, and there was this angel, or two angels, I think it was, standing right behind the pimp. And oh, yeah, he, she was ministering to the prostitutes. Yeah, right, and he just went off running. She says, what are you running from? Where are you going? Why? And she turned around, and there were huge angels. angels. Standing right there. Yeah. I like, I like the part where she told about the Lord said uh, he was going to give her that house for the girls right and the realtor <laughs> said that house is not for rent it's for sale and then uh mm-hmm. you know long story short they got the owner on there and the owner said hand her the bone yeah it's just amazing but yeah that one definitely sticks out of my mind and you know i think about uh unbroken and what yeah. that woman went through oh my gosh was her uh Losing both of her daughters. Losing both the daughters. And, and then coming full circle, and now she's a minister herself. She turned down Oprah Winfrey twice. twice. Yeah. But not God's Stories Radio. That was a miracle. Mm-hmm. And her I'd be amiss if I... touching. Yeah. Didn't mention Pastor Johnny, Pastor Vic. Vic, right. WTLN, the Vision Radio yes. Network. We were on there what? Twice? Two or three times. Two or three times, yeah. Coming to a Denny's near you. Yes, there you go. <laughs> with that our Jesus us. T-shirts. Yeah, and uh, in the drunkard hour of three o'clock right. in the morning, that would be us out there. <laughs> Pastor Vic's up in Clay Country now. Yep, mm-hmm. Georgie. So if you're listening, Pastor Vic, we love you. Yes. We appreciate you. you. We love you. <laughs> love you, Vic. Thanks for giving your testimony. Yes, thank you so much. And uh, what about um, passion to overcome, Janet? Perez Eccles. Eccles. Yeah. Yeah, she was a good one. Oh, man. They they were all good. Oh, yeah. <laughs> They're all good. They're and, all good. And, yeah. You can't and just pick one. No, you can't no. because each and every one had a different message. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, somebody, we always got some feedback from somebody that just needed 
that to happen and mm-hmm. hope comes makes me think of a crystal you know how with a crystal it has all these different edges but the light has to hit it just and right. when the light hits it it's so beautiful yep. right yeah it's just like all these testimonies the oh, light man. has to come in and hit it this i think this is the first time that we've all four been at the table at the same time too yes, yes. yes. yeah that's it's a true celebration it is. Session 100. I'm going to have to have another cup of coffee. (laughs) (laughs) And it's going to be a good one, I know, because you know how we have like, I don't know if it happens, I'm sure it happens to you too, where you have a really rough week and you're just like, I just want to get to God's stories. Yes. And you get here and you know this is going to be a good one because Satan's been throwing a monkey wrench in all week. Oh, you bet. So this was, I think he saved the best up for session 100. I think 100 was the, the, the guest we have is set for sure from Father. Oh, no doubt about it. Yeah. Mike is an, I'm not going to steal any Mikey's thunder. I'm going to let him introduce him. But Oh, I got shout uh, outs. I just, oh, yes. Shout How outs. could I forget? Oh, yeah. We got some Facebook likes. Wayne. Bajays? I don't know how to say it. B-A-A-T-J-I-E-S. Well, thank you, Wayne. Thanks, Bajays. Yeah, thanks, thanks for, for, liking for listening and liking us. We appreciate it. Also, Amber Norris Lee. Thank you, Amber. Thank you, Amber. And a new Sony. And then the countries we have are United Arab Emirates, Singapore, the Republic of Singapore, which is a country verified. Thank you. Verified. And Dominican Republic. Thanks for listening, guys. Man, Thank thanks, guys. Yeah. And what? How many countries is that now? Is it fifty? We're, we're at fifty-three, 53? according to Lipson. But you know, since we've gone well, to I Heart Radio, yeah, it's hard tell. to tell. It's probably more than fifty-three. So fifty-three countries or more were spreading the gospel and giving hope, comfort, and encouragement. Mm-hmm. And that's Power amazing. Christian testimony. That's God says you will see greater things than what I have done. And we haven't. I don't think we've seen anything yet. We haven't seen anything yet. Because <laughs> it's been a little, a little slow right now, and I think it's when when it hits, it's going to be hold on. Yeah, yeah. There's been some fine tuning going on with all of us, all of us, in yeah. the show and and everything. Yeah. So uh, I, you know, uh, some maturity issues uh, on my part. I'm not afraid to admit it. That's for sure. <laughs> Fritz is married now, so he's got. Yeah, I got to own up for my silliness. <laughs> oh, you're a good husband. You don't give yourself enough credit. Oh, gosh, I'm blushing. Shucks. Oh, shit. <laughs> He's well, turning red. I got a front row seat for Mikey's. Yeah, me okay. too. Well, I can't wait. It's coming on. It's Actually, coming. Mike was in our wedding, which is pretty Yes, exciting. he was. He yeah. looked look sharp. Dapper. He's, he's Dapper Dan, Dapper yeah, it was Mike. An amazing beach wedding. Uh, it was an amazing wedding. Was, we had all our beautiful. friends there. The, the weather was pristine. Yep, right by the ocean, right on the ocean, actually, on the beach. It was mm-hmm. awesome. Yeah, amazing. So, well, without further ado, Mikey, who is our guest for session 100? Our guest is none other than Mark Marrow. Yeah. Woo! Yes, he was the WWE. He was a boxer. Um, he also, at this point in his life, after Jesus had got a hold of him, um, has a ministry called Champions of Choice. And 
I think one of his names in, in boxing was uh, Johnny B. Bad. <laughs> As in not good. <laughs> what a great guy, though. What an he outstanding uh, Really. Man. I mean, I've seen a lot of, of, a lot of uh, guest speakers come in and do their thing and do their speaking and then do what they, you know, either books or signings or meetings and everything else. And, and he was the most real one that I've seen to date. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I yeah, just get your tissues. Yeah, I just oh, yeah. love his heart for the kids. Absolutely. So I really do. I mean, that's, well, you know, children for are For kids, so but precious. for everyone, I'm telling you, it was he was real. And um, I love the guy for it. I had my uh, my son with me uh, when we went to church, and he was just glued to his seat, you know, just really, really in tune with what he was saying. And I think he was, you know, probably the perfect age to be hearing Absolutely. what Mark had to say. And, and on, on his website, it, uh, it actually says the number one school, America's number one school presenter. What's his website, if people want to look him up? Champion of Choices. Okay. Choices.com? It actually looks like the website is thinkpaz.org. Thinkpaz.org. Because that's the name of his book, isn't it? Pause? Think Pause? I know Matthew bought his book, um, but I don't think that that's the title. I can't quite remember the title. How to be the happiest person on the planet. Yes, that's it. How to be the happiest person on the planet. That's right. Gotta love that. Right. Well, I became familiar (laughs) with Mark Merrow because. I listened to the Monsters in the Morning for years, ever since they got started. And um, he used to call into the show, and the Monsters would talk to him, and he would just always have these seeds of encouragement for everybody. And, uh, you know, the guys would be laughing it off sometimes or, or come at him with a serious note, and he would just be able to diffuse it and, and, uh, and turn it around as encouraging to them. And... Uh, I just hope one day that we can have Russ Rollins on this show. So if you're listening, Mark, plant a seed in Russ Rollins. <laughs> I want his testimony in the worst way, brother. Or even just a phone call. Just yeah, a phone call. But anyway, go ahead, Mikey. Well, it says, welcome to Champion of Choices. Mark Mirror, former WWE wrestling champion and author of How to Be the Happiest Person on the Planet, reached the pinnacle of sports entertainment success, then lost it all. But in the process, discovered what's most important in life. Everyone faces adversity. It's not how many times you get knocked down. It's how many times you get back up. You can do anything you set your mind to. Mark shares his captivating journey with audiences worldwide and inspires people to examine their life choices. Listeners feel a greater sense of appreciation toward their relationships and the gift of time and are empowered to make a difference in their personal life, school, career, and community. As the founder of the nonprofit organization Champion of Choices, Mark dedicates his life to helping others by the champion they are destined to be. The time is now. Get ready to be inspired. And again, if you, when you listen to this testimony, I do say that you will probably need some tissue in your hand. Absolutely. Well, no doubt about it. I watched it again for about the fifth time today. Very touching. On Vimeo. So I may, with his permission, post that video to um, the front page of the website, oh, godstoriesradio.com. 
Well, when I asked him uh, when he gave this at Real Life Church the other day on Sunday, uh, his exact words were, he says, just, um, he says, just spread the word. So thank mission. you, Mark, for letting us use this. Thank you, Mark. Yeah. We appreciate it. And if you have a testimony, how can they get in touch with us, Fritz? Well, they can write us at GodStoriesRadio at gmail.com. And then like Mikey always says, they, they can, can tweet us. They can tweet us at Twitter or they can like us on Facebook. At uh, God Stories at Radio. God Stories Radio. And if uh, you listen on iHeartRadio, you can follow us there. You can follow us. And we'll you, take it any way we can get it. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. If we have a call in... Um, we have the capability of in the studio here that we can do a call-in. So if you have a testimony and you want to do a call-in, just let us know. Hit us yeah, up and on if the you're email. overseas or um, somewhere where the time is different, then we'll work around that as well. Whatever we got to do, we want to hear from you. Yes. Thank you for giving us your testimony. Yes, and thank you for the last three years of uh, just the the privilege of hosting this program right. and listening to your and encouraging, giving hope, comfort, and encouragement. You bet. All of those out there who have been. Amen. To God be the glory. Amen. Amen. Yes. Amen. We'll sit back and strap in because here comes Mark Mira. Now, this and this, that's, that's who I was. Now, it's about whose I am. Amen. And today, I want to share my story with you. It's a story of tragedy and triumph, victory and defeat, and God's mercy and grace. It's a message of salvation, renewal, inspiration, and hope. Hope that's offered to all of us that call upon his name. Now, my life is a miracle. I mean, it's a miracle that I'm here today. It's a miracle that I'm alive. But miracles don't come without trials, tragedies, and tribulations. And there's many of you here today or listening online that are going through your own adversity in life. But I believe you're here or seeing this for a reason. I believe that lives are going to be changed. Hearts are going to be healed. Addictions broken families restored, there's going to be an explosion of God's love right here at Real Life. And if you believe that, give the Lord a shout. Now, to share my story, I actually want to start at a place in my life that I think many of you can already relate to. Unfortunately, it's when I had my first setback. It's when my parents got divorced. I grew up in one of the worst drug and gang-infested neighbors on the west side of Buffalo, New York. In fact, this is one of the apartments we grew up in right here. But it's also where my life started to change. And this is part of the story I really want you guys to hear. See, um, that's my bedroom right there. And I've always been a dreamer. I dreamt of a better life for myself and my family. 
And I started doing something different. At, at 10 years old, I started writing down my dreams and goals in this little book on this broken down desk I had in my room. I mean, the dreams and goals of a little boy that would eventually come true. And um, now most of the things I wrote down there were materialistic. I mean, we were so poor. But see, my mother, she never wanted to make us think we were poor. My mom never wanted us to worry. And I remember like in, in social studies class or economics, you learn about the different classes of people. And like there's the wealthy, the middle class. And I remember coming home from school and I said to my mother, I go, Mom, we're lower class. And my mother goes, Mark, we are upper lower class. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that made me feel a lot better. <laughs> I mean, she never wanted us to worry. She would say things like, if the ice cream truck is playing music, it means they're out. What? <laughs> I mean, for Christmas, we would get batteries and it'd say toys not included. <laughs> <laughs> but then, like I said, most of the things I wrote down there are materialistic. For example, I wrote down, I want a black Cadillac. I want a speedboat. I love sports on television, so I wrote down, I'm going to be a professional athlete. Not only am I going to be a professional athlete, I'm going to win rookie of the year. Wrote it down. I hated living like this. My mom's room was that room right there on the end. And when my parents got divorced, it was so hard on my mother. She had to work two jobs to try and support us. And she would often come home late. And my room being next to hers, I would hear my mom cry herself to sleep. It used to break my heart. I remember hearing my mother come home and crying. I remember getting out of bed and walking over to that little book and writing down, I want to get my mom a house. I want to be rich. I want to be famous. I want to be a millionaire. I want to be somebody. See, many times when we're young, we believe that money and fame is the key to happiness. Kind of what the world teaches us, and the media portrays to all our kids, all these rich and famous people on these silly reality shows are so happy. Success is the key to happiness. But the truth is, and I'm living proof, happiness is the key to success. And true happiness can only be found in a relationship with Jesus. But when I was young, I just thought that if I was rich and famous, I'd be happy. So now, as I get older, one thing I realize, and this goes out to the adults, this is really important for you guys, most of the dreams and goals that happen in my life happen later on in life. See, it's never too late. The Bible says that young men will see vision and old men will dream dreams. The word old means mature, okay? But see, I travel all over the world now. I meet so many adults that say things like, those were the days, or I always wish I would have done that. And I'm here to tell you, these are the days. These are the days that we could accomplish anything we set our minds to. We can learn from past mistakes and go after our dreams and goals. Jesus, God says that he didn't see, when he came, he said, I'm the great I am. He didn't say I was the great I was. <laughs> said, today, this is the day the Lord has made. Not those were the days. And I'm sharing with you that right now, there might be some dreams and goals that have light dormant inside of you, whether it's maybe going, going back to school, writing a book, um, changing a career, going after something that you've never done before. But God has a plan and a purpose for our lives. Now, most of the things in, in my life happen later on. For example, um, I didn't become a professional athlete until I was 31 years old. I became an inspirational speaker at 47. I wrote my first book at 50. I became an ordained minister at 52. I ran for a seat in the Senate at 61. 
Okay, that hasn't happened yet, but see, I want you to dream big and go after your dreams and goals. <laughs> At the end of our presentation today, we're going to have, a, I'm going to, my wife is, um, she's at a family reunion, so I'm going to hang out after the presentation. I'd love to meet as many of you as possible. We have a tr- product table in the back. This is the book I wrote called How to Be the Happiest Person on the Planet. And if you've ever gone through adversity, it's a book that really can change your life. And we also have um, DVDs. One of them's for schools that can be played at schools about bullying and stuff. And then we have all, also have our faith-based DVD that's something that's similar to what you're going to see tonight. And we also have these goal cards that we, we challenge young people to write their dreams and goals into existence. Now, the key is not only write them down, but put it somewhere where you have to see it, whether it's in the refrigerator, your bedroom wall, a drawer you pull out of it. The more you see your dreams and goals, the more likely you are to take action towards them and be accountable. Write your dreams and goals into existence. It's never too late. So I told you guys I wanted to be a professional athlete. I became an all-star in football and hockey. In fact, I used to play football. Remember the coach over at UCF? His name is Coach George O'Leary. He was my high school football coach. We won the state title in New York. York. But I found my true passion in boxing. I became a four-time New York State boxing champion. So to continue my journey with you guys, let me take you back to when I was a boxer. I eventually made my way to the USA boxing team. I moved from New York to Colorado Springs, Colorado, and I trained at the U.S. Olympic Training Center. While I was with the U.S. boxing team, I realized I was one of the best fighters in the whole country. So I decided to turn professional in boxing. All the dreams and goals I wrote down in this little book, and this is my actual book, I wrote my dreams and goals into existence, were about to come true. Because I'm going to get that, I'm going to become very wealthy, so I'm going to get that black Cadillac. I'm getting that speedboat. I'm getting my mother a house. I'm building myself a big house. All my dreams and goals are about to come true. So I fly home from Colorado to New York, and I turn professional in boxing. I've never trained. I had my first professional boxing match scheduled in my hometown in New York, and I have never trained harder. I ran more miles. I did more wind sprints. I sparred. I hit the heavy bag. I did everything necessary to become a champion. Two weeks before my first professional boxing match, I had my nose shattered in an accident. I needed reconstructive surgery, and the doctor said it would be almost a year before I could come back and start having full contact. Now, my mother was with me when they were about to wheel me in for my surgery. My mother, she like, um, as they're about to wheel me in, she'd always hold my hand, she'd pray with me, and she says, Mark, don't worry. You're going to come back in one year. You're going to be champ of the world. See, the greatest gift my mother ever gave me other than introducing me to Jesus, she believed in me. She empowered me to believe in myself. Now, some of you students that are here, you guys are going to be able to relate to this. And you moms and dads and grandparents that are here, <laughs> you guys are guilty, okay? My mother would be at all my sporting events. And I remember playing football. My mother would always be on the sidelines. And if the play on the field started going one way, my mother would run along with us. Mark! I said, get him! I'd be like... I'd get in the huddle with the guys. they go, oh my gosh, Mark, is that your mother? No, no, no. Never saw her before in my life. I'm kidding. I can never imagine not hearing that voice. And you moms and dads and grandparents, don't you ever stop doing that. Anyways, the surgery went fine. And after the surgery was over, it was the first time in my life I could ever remember like, I had all this free time on my hands. See, I couldn't train, so I wasn't getting ready for a hockey game, a football game, or a boxing match. 
And sometimes when you have a lot of free time, you're presented with a lot of choices. And I started making some really bad ones. I mean, life-changing bad choices. The first thing I did wrong, and students, please hear this. I started hanging out with the wrong kids. And these so-called friends, they were going to parties, and the parties they were drinking, getting high, doing drugs. And what do I do? Follow right along with them. But don't worry. I'm coming back in one year. I'm going to be champ of the world. Next thing you know, I'm with my buddies at the parties. And it always starts out so innocent. Just have a couple drinks, big deal. Pot's never going to hurt you, man. Just have fun. Pills and everything else. Next thing you know, I'm drunk and high at the parties, walking around going, hey, guys, I'm coming back in one year. I'm going to be champ of the world. I do this week after week, month after month, but I'm coming back in one year. One year turned into two years. Two years turned to four years. Four years turned to 10 years of my life of drug and alcohol abuse and addiction. And the only job I could get with my limited high school education was in construction as a laborer. That's one of my jobs, digging swimming pools. I remember being at the bottom of that swimming pool just thinking, how did I get here? How did I throw away 10 years of my life? I wanted a black Cadillac. I wanted a speedboat. I wanted to get my mother a house. I wanted to be rich. I wanted to be famous. I wanted to be somebody. I threw it all away because of who I chose to surround myself with. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15.33, don't be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. See, what God was saying all the way back then, your friends, your coworkers, some of our so-called Christian friends, they're like elevators. They're either going to take you up or they're going to take you down. They're going to take you up or they're going to take you down. You show me your friends, I'll show you your future. How do I know this? Very simple. I hung out with losers and I became the biggest loser of them all because I gave up everything I dreamt about as a 10-year-old boy. The saddest part about my drug and alcohol abuse the people I hurt the most were people that loved me the most. My friends would drive me home two, three, four in the morning. We'd be drunk and high in the car laughing. We'd pull up in front of my house in New York and they go, Mark, Mark, the light's on. Oh, man, my mother's up. See, my mother wouldn't go to bed until she knew her son was still alive. My mom would sit in this old chair in the living room. The only way I'd get to my bedroom, I had to walk by my mother in the old chair. Hated those walks. I'd walk in, she'd say, Hi, Mark, how was your night? It's good, going to bed. She goes, Can I, can I please talk to you? I go, Mom, I'm tired, I'm going to bed. She goes, Mark, I haven't seen you all day and all night. Can I please talk to you? I'd say, Man, why don't you just leave me alone? You know, you really bug me. And I'd slam my bedroom door on the one person that actually believed in me. I have a little brother, my little brother's name is Guy Christopher. Now, Guy Christopher is 13 years younger than me, but he tells anybody who listens, when I grow up, I want to be like my big brother, Mark. See, my brother also wants to be a professional athlete. My little brother, man, this kid's an all-star baseball player. He wants to make it to the major leagues. When he was younger, he'd wear his little baseball suit everywhere. I don't know if he thought the pro scouts were at the McDonald's, but he wore it everywhere. And he'd come on, he'd say, hey, Mark, can you pitch me some? I'd say, not today, man, I've got time for that. And he'd take his ball and he'd just like toss it at me and catch it. I'd say, 
what? You, you want to play catch? I said, no. What's wrong with you? He'd look at me and say, can, can I just hang out with you? Get out of here, you little punk. I'd take his ball and throw it as far as I could. Now, my brother, he would never, he would never talk back. I mean, he was so much younger, but he would run away after that ball. And he'd get his ball and he'd get far enough away and he'd always look back. And it was a look as if to say, I just want to hang out with my brother. Get out of here. I got a little sister. My little sister's name is Andrea. She's also much younger. She used to do something I could not stand. She'd go, I'm sitting next to Mark. I call it. What? (laughs) Remember the old I call it days? Whenever we got in the car, we went to dinner, we went to a movie. Here she comes. I'm sitting next to my brother. I called it. Drove me crazy with this stuff. She see the open chair, and here she comes. I go, are you kidding me? Look at me. Get out of here right now. I can't tell you how many times I watched my little sister, Andrea. Her eyes would well up in tears, and she didn't want to blink because she didn't want me to see her cry. Guys, that's, that's how I treated my family. What's so ironic about sharing this with you today, now that I'm a brother in Christ and gave my life to the Lord? I realized something so important. We all have an impact on each other's life. Whether it's positive or negative, we have an impact on each other. My question to you, how are you being treated? Better yet, how do you treat other people? Do people see Christ in you? Do they see the fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. What do people see in you. You know, they can take God out of our schools. They can take God out of our government. They can take him out of our workplace, but they can't take him out of our hearts. They can't take him out of our lives. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in this world. I'm, I'm telling you, we're getting ready for this election in our country. And I can tell you something. As a brother in Christ, it just almost, I can't hardly watch television anymore, but I'm not here to preach doom and gloom. I gotta tell you something. The darker it gets, the brighter Christ is going to shine, and he's going to use people like you and I to do absolutely amazing things. It don't matter who's in the White House. It matters who's in your house. Your Savior's not going to be in Washington. He's in heaven. He's the King of kings. He's the Lord of lords, and he's coming back with power and glory. As we see our students getting ready to go back to school, Many of them have already started going back to school. And this goes out to the students. I want to say, students, if you hear anything I say today, please know this. God has a plan and a purpose for your life. He is absolutely crazy about you. Last year, I spoke at over 270 events in schools. Every week, I received hundreds and hundreds of letters. Some weeks, over 1,000. Most of them are so beautiful on how the presentation changed or even saved somebody's life. But I get so many kids that are going through loneliness, depression, being bullied or abused in school, burning themselves, self-harming, cutting themselves. And worst case, students that feel like they don't even want to be here anymore. I've met with more parents that have lost their kids through suicide or drug overdose. And students, this is where God has a plan for you. You can carry that torch in your school. And this is, this is why we started the time is now. It's 
tour because the time is now. The time is now for you. The time is now for me. The time is now. We, we, gotta, we gotta become the spark that ignites a, a, a fire, of, 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 that ignites a flame of, of uh, burning down the walls of injustice and building bridges of empathy and compassion. The time is now. And students, to do this, we gotta come together as a community. We gotta come together as a family. We gotta come together as a church. We can no longer sit down. We can no longer back down. We gotta stand up, step up, and speak up, and let the love of Jesus Christ shine through each and every one of us. And if you're with me on that, I would love to hear it right now. You are future leaders. You are the world changers. You are the ones that are gonna make a difference, but the time is now. Give yourselves a round of applause. You guys are amazing, man. I moved out when I was 18 years old. I don't need those people. I'm going out being rich and famous. All of a sudden, I start getting these phone calls from my little sister, Andrea. You guys remember her? I'm sitting next to Mark. I call it. I mean, as soon as I seen her call my phone, I let it go to voicemail. She'd leave me these long messages. I miss you so much. I wish you'd come by and see everybody. I'm getting ready to graduate from high school. I can't wait to see the graduation. Everybody's going to be there. It's going to be so much fun. I love you, Mark. Blah, blah, blah. I never even went to my little sister's high school graduation. Then I get a letter through the mail. Remember the old way at the post office? (laughs) It says, Mark, I miss you so much. I wish you'd come by and see everybody. I'm getting ready to leave for college. It'd be great to see you. Blah, blah, blah. Never had time. My sister went on to graduate from Syracuse University. She got a degree in electrical engineering. She applied for her first job at a company called General Electric in Rochester, New York. And I mean, she wanted this job so bad. She would just sit by the phone hoping they would call. And I remember I had to swing by the house to get something. So she heard the door open. And when she saw it was me, she was like, oh my gosh, mom. She just started crying. And she ran over to me and she grabbed a hold of me. She goes, I missed you so much. I'm so glad you're here. And then she steps back and she goes, guess what? I got the job. i never seen her so happy in my whole life. I was actually so proud of her. She had to get a routine physical for her new health insurance at General Electric. And it was at that physical they found my sister Andrea She had cancer. She went through radiation and chemotherapy. I mean, she lost all her hair, but she never lost her will to live. I mean, she never complained. At the hospital, she's always worried about me. She's like, hey, Mark, are you okay? My sister Andrea fought so bravely for eight months. And I was sitting at her hospital bed that faithful day when she died. What I would do to sit next to my little sister today, what I would do, I call it choices. We are defined by the choices we make today that can affect us and our families the rest of our lives. You know, at one point or or another, we're all going to lose a loved one. And my wife, who's usually at all my presentations with me, she's at a family reunion in New Jersey. And she asked me to play this 
about a little boy that lost something very dear to him. His name is Logan, and he called into a radio station. Some of you may have heard this, but it's worth another listen. This is Logan. Hey, Mike, can I talk to you? You bet, Logan. What's up? I want to tell you something that God just told me. Okay. Last night, my dad was roping this calf. And this calf had been born from a really old cow. She she didn't have really the greatest milk. She didn't have, like, the vitamin C and stuff. Okay. Hold on. Mom? So cute, I guess his mom just talked to him. I'm talking right now. I'll be up in a second. But sorry about that. But anyway, she broke her back. And this morning I went out and put her down myself. I was talking to God. I was asking God why. She was special. And God said, you know, Logan, but my son was special. But he died for a purpose. It's kind of the same thing. That calf was close to me, and God's son was close to him. Logan, you're you're so right. It's true. Think you're going to be okay? Yeah, I'll be fine. But I just wanted to tell you guys that that is so important. Just remember, when you lose a loved one or a pet, Always remember that God gave his son too, and he understands. He will always understand. He will always just run to him. Logan, you're wiser than you know, buddy. Oh, sometimes I don't think I'm wise. Trust me, I've done a lot of stupid stuff, but (laughs) I've learned from it. Yeah, but see, buddy, that's what makes you wise, somebody that learns from their mistakes. Figured I'd better call and share with you guys. Love you. Love you too. Bye. Bye-bye. Always know that God understands. Run to him. Sometimes in life, you get another chance. Sometimes. At this point in my life, I was now 30 years old, years and years of drug and alcohol abuse and addiction, working paycheck to paycheck. I was even dealing drugs to support my habit. I had a bunch of friends over in my apartment. One of my buddies had the remote control, and he was like flipping through the TV channels, and all of a sudden, he lands on professional wrestling. And I go, whoa, whoa, stop it there. Let me see this. As I'm looking at the television, I get this overwhelming feeling, you know, the aha moment. I go, hey, guys. Man, I could do that. My buddies busted out laughing. They go, Mark, are you crazy? <laughs> Look at the size of those guys. They will pick you up over their head and throw you right out of that ring. I said, no, I can do that. My other buddy goes, Mark, you're 30 years old. When are you start a pro career now? I said, yes, I believe. Now, it was the action I took next that changed my destiny, just like it's the action you take when you walk out these doors. What will you do different tomorrow that you didn't do today? Towards your goals, your dreams, your passion, your relationship with God.
Now, see the action I had to take? I, I had to find out where there was a wrestling school. I didn't know how to wrestle. I was living in Venice, Florida. There was a wrestling school in Tampa, about 60 miles apart. I drive there after working on weekends. One year later, at 31 years old, I signed this huge contract in professional wrestling. And not only that, I wrote about it 21 years before it ever happened. I was voted wrestling's rookie of the year. Dreams come true, you gotta believe. So now, all of a sudden, I got all this money. I mean, lots of money. I never had money before. So when you start having a lot of money, what do you do? You start buying stuff, right? So the first thing I did when I got my signing bonus, I bought my mother a house in Sarasota, Florida. I paid cash for it. And then I started buying all the other things I wrote down in my little book. I went out and bought one of them speedboats. <laughs> that, uh, that was back when short shorts were in. <laughs> you know, Pastor Justin still has a couple pairs. <laughs> <laughs> then I built my first house in Marietta, Georgia. And guys, if you see what's parked in the driveway, it's my black Cadillac. So now I'm rich, I'm famous, I'm hanging out with movie stars and celebrities. I'm having dinner with the President of the United States. Muhammad Ali is coming to watch me wrestle. I'm hanging out with Kid Rock. I'm touring with Gene Simmons and Kiss. Shaq's my buddy. I'm wrestling with Hulk Hogan. I got my own action figure. Actually, I got 12 of them. But then I become a millionaire, and I've always wanted to live on the water. So I built another house on Amelia Island. I got everything in the world will say, Mark, oh my gosh, you made it. You're rich. You're famous. I saw you on TV. I can't believe who you hang out with. You are so lucky. But then I resort to my old ways. And the first thing I did wrong, again, was the people I chose to hang out with. Next thing I know, alcohol and drugs comes back with a vengeance. Not just that, now prescription medication and pills. And the only difference in my life, I have all the money to buy anything I want. And my world starts spinning out of control. Alcohol, drugs, pills, bad choices, addiction, hanging out with the wrong people. But I always thought when I was a little boy, if I was only rich and famous, I'd be happy. I've never been so empty and sad in my whole life. And I thought to myself, well, maybe if I got a house with a, a fountain, and tennis court and basketball court and lots of land because now I'm a multi-millionaire celebrity. So I went out and got myself a bigger house. I got everything in the world to say, Mark, you made it. You're rich. You're famous. I saw you on TV, but my world's spinning out of control. Alcohol, drugs, pills, bad choices, hanging out with the wrong people. I got this beautiful home. I got everything the world will say, Mark, you made it. But because of my bad choices, I lost it all. That's right. I lost everything. My ex-wife of 10 years. She walked out the door and divorced me. But then I lost over 30 friends. Most of my friends died from their bad choices. Suicide, murder, but most died from drug overdose. My friends, they, they were all rich and famous. We toured for 14 years together. The reason why this is called a death list, it's a reminder every day I'm alive of a list I should have been on. See, I did everything they did, and some nights I did a whole lot more. I have overdosed on drugs on three occasions where I should have been dead, but I believe with all my heart, God kept me here for a reason. I believe he had a higher calling for my life. And I believe there are people sitting in this church and watching via satellite whose lives will be forever changed when you hear the conclusion of my story. Sometimes in life you think it can't get any worse, 
Mine did. I was on a worldwide tour. We were wrestling overseas in Japan. After my wrestling match, I'm upstairs in my hotel room and I, I fell asleep. There was this knock at my door, three o'clock in the morning, and it started banging louder and louder. So I get up out of my bed and I go up to the door and I look through the safety window. I could see it was a Japanese promoter. So I opened the door and they said, Mark, you need to call home. There's an emergency. So I ran back in my room. I got on the hotel room phone. I called back to the United States. I said, hey, what's going on? I said, Mark, I don't know how to tell you this. I said, just tell me what happened. All of a sudden, I just started crying. They go, Mark, I don't know how to tell you. I said, just say it. They said, Mark, your mother died. I just dropped the phone. I just ran out of the hotel room. I took the elevator to the lobby. When the doors opened up, I just ran through the lobby, out, to, out the doors, into the street. I mean, there was no cars. There was no people. It was 3 o'clock in the morning. I walked down the middle of a street in Hiroshima, Japan, and I remember just looking up and saying, Mom, I am so sorry. I flew home for her funeral, and I was so nervous to walk up to her casket. And I remember just standing back as far as I could. And I kept looking from a distance and I kept thinking to myself, Mom, please wake up. Please get up. And I finally got the nerve to walk up to her. And as I got closer, I could see my mom for the first time. I mean, she looked so beautiful. She was was all dressed in white. I mean, she looked like an angel. And I just stood over and I said, Mom, you are my hero. Everything I am, everything I hope to be was because of you. You loved me so much. You gave me a life. You worked two jobs. You're the only one that ever believed in me. How did I repay her? By getting drunk, by getting high, by getting stupid, by hanging out with losers? For what? All she ever wanted to do was talk to me. I wish I could talk to you now, Mom. I wish you could see what I'm doing. Why couldn't I have been a better son? Choices. They're defined by our choices. You guys remember my little brother, Guy Christopher? When I grow up, I'm going to be like my big brother, Mark. Hey, Mark, can you pitch me some? Not today, man. I don't got time for that. You want to play catch? Not today. Can I hang out with you? Get out of here. My brother grew up okay. Grew up so much better than me. He married his longtime girlfriend, Gina. He played guitar in his church band, loved the Lord. And I'll never forget those two coming to my house. and had these big smiles on their face. My brother goes, hey, Mark, I want you to be one of the first to know. Gina and I, we're having a baby. I said, what? I'm being uncle? He says, Uncle Mark. We were so excited. My brother got this really good job, and everybody's new employment had to be drug screened. In other words, they had to get a blood test taken for a drug screening. Now, my brother's always been deathly afraid of blood. <laughs> you might know someone like this. I mean, ever since my brother was little, if he saw somebody bleeding, he'd go, I got to sit down. Sometimes he'd just pass right out. But as an adult, he still had this phobia. He was sitting in the waiting room at the doctor's office, and the nurse came in and called his name, and he gets out of his seat. And he starts following the nurse, and he stopped. He said, nurse... I'm just getting really dizzy. She goes, okay, sit back down. And before she could come back and grab him, my little brother,
father just passed out. He just fell over backwards. He hit his head on the floor in the doctor's office. I was on the road wrestling. I was on tour and I get this phone call and they said, Mark, your brother, Guy Christopher, had a falling accident at the doctor's office. He's at the Sarasota hospital. My first reaction is like, okay, how bad can you get hurt in the doctor's office? Will he break his arm? There was this long pause and they said, can you get here as soon as possible? So of course I asked for permission to get off the tour and I traveled to the Sarasota hospital as fast as I could. I took the elevator to the ICU and ran down the hall and when I opened the door to walk in, I could see these machines keeping my brother alive. I said no. I asked everybody in the room to please leave. It was my older sister, Jody, my other brother, Joel, friends and family, his wife, Gina, that was pregnant with their baby, all holding hands, praying. I just wanted to be alone with my little brother. You see, my mother died two weeks before this. How much can your heart really take? Everybody left the room, and I went over to his bed, and I just put my hands in the railings. I mean, I just stared at him. I mean, he looked so handsome. It looked like he was just sleeping. And I just got down on my knees. I grabbed his hand. I said, God, please, we need a miracle. He's only 21. He's going to be a daddy. And just then, the door opens. It's the doctor with my family. So I get up, and as they're walking in, I can see this look on the doctor's face. It's a look you never forget. He just says, I'm sorry. There's no brain activity. I said, no, there's going to be a miracle. There's nothing more we can do. We had to make the decision as a family to let my brother go. It was the hardest thing I have ever done or ever will have to do to sit there and watch my little brother die. But there was a miracle. We donate his heart and his organs. And the doctor said it may have saved the lives of four or maybe even five people that are on transplant lists that may not have lived if it wasn't for my brother's gift. It just wasn't our miracle. One month after my little brother died, his precious baby, my little niece, Falika, was born. She never got to see her daddy. But if I could just go back in time just grab that ball just one more time. I would have thrown it. Why couldn't I have been a better brother? Choices. We are defined by our choices. See, I lost my friends. I lost most of my family, but most of them died from bad choices. My friends over 30 of them suicide murder, but most died from drug overdose. For what? My mother and father died from their bad choices. My mom and dad died from cigarette smoking. My mother died from a massive stroke after years of smoking. She was only 58. And my dad, my dad was my best friend. He died while I was holding him in my arms from lung cancer. You should still be here. If you guys have a brother or a sister, tell them how cool they are. If you have a mother or father, grandparents or guardian, tell them how much you love them. That was the last picture I ever took of my mom before I left to go to Japan. She said, Mark, before you go, can I take a picture with the belt? Sure, mom. 
<laughs> Turns out she was the real champ. And if your parents smoke cigarettes, just tell them how much you need them. I don't have that choice anymore, but maybe you do. Maybe you could bring hope to someone who's been hopeless after losing most of my friends and family. I felt something I never felt before, hopelessness. A depression so deep, I never experienced anything like it. And I just wanted to end it all. And there may be some people that are hearing my voice right now that have felt the same way at one time or another in their life. I retrieved my handgun. I walked into my shower. I put it up to my temple. I spread my legs and put my back against the wall. And the idea was I would slide down the wall. When my bottom hit the ground, I would pull the trigger. And as I was standing there, all of a sudden, my life flashes before me. My mother and my father and my sister. I just wanted to be with them one more time. I loved them so much. I missed them. I would do anything to see them again. And then I started to slide down the wall. And all of a sudden, this vision of hell comes into my head. I'd never seen anything like it. It was all these people, and they were all in this torment, and nobody was talking to each other. They were just screaming. And I remember thinking, this is not where I want to go. This is not where I want anybody to go. And I remember just pointing the gun away and falling to my knees and begging Christ for forgiveness, asking him to come into my life, just changing who I was. My whole life was about changing everybody else. You should love me more. Why isn't dinner cooked this way? Don't you know how to clean the house? But when you realize that it's you that needs to change, everything around you changes tallest I ever stood was that day I got down on my knees. See, I, I need a counselor. He's a wonderful counselor. I need peace in my heart. He's the prince of peace. I needed a friend. There's no better friend than Jesus. Guys, he picked me up so I could finish the race. He took me from that death list to the book of life. He is the son of the living God. He is the way, the truth, and the life, and you can't meet his daddy unless you know him. He is the rock of our salvation. He is the foundation of our faith. He turned water into wine. He gives sight to the blind. He committed no crime. He had no sin, yet they crucified him. It wasn't nails that held Jesus on a cross. No, it was love, his love for you and me. He was pronounced dead. Jesus died, but death couldn't beat him. He rose and conquered the grave. Oh, death, where's your sting? Oh, hell, where's your victory? He is the undefeated, undisputed champion of the entire universe. Real life, praise him. Praise your protector. Praise your provider. Praise your redeemer. Praise the great I am. Praise the lily of the valley. Praise the rose of Sharon. Praise the fairest of 10,000. Praise the bright and morning star. Praise him, praise him. Real life, the chains are broken. We've been set free. He takes us from the prison to the palace, from the outhouse to the penthouse. Every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess. Even the stones, even the rocks are gonna scream out. Jesus Christ is Lord. Life, life is a test, a trust, a temporary assignment. 
In Revelation 21, 4, it says, in heaven, our tears will be wiped away. But if there are any regrets, our biggest one's gonna be, why didn't I spend more time getting to know God? Some of you are going to cry out and say, why did I place so much importance on things that were so temporary? Why did I waste so much concern, time, and energy on things that wouldn't last? There's one thing that's going to last, and that's God's unconditional love. And before I leave, I want to pray with everybody. Heavenly Father, I thank you for today. I thank you for this opportunity to touch hearts. The greatest decision I ever made was asking you into my life. And I know there's people here that need to make that decision. We're going to have some prayer partners up front. And Lord, I just ask you to touch their hearts, to walk forward, invite, them, invite you into their life. I pray for families. I pray for students going back to school. I pray for people that are having problems with addiction or pain medication. And Lord, this is an opportunity that we can get out of our comfort zone, come forward, meet with a prayer partner, and forever change our life. There's some people here that gave their life to you, but they've never been baptized. And that certainly is a part of the salvation experience. Maybe you need to take that step. Talk to a prayer partner. Don't miss this opportunity. I pray and ask us all in Jesus' name. Thank you so much for having me today. I've had just enough of the spotlight when it burns bright to see how it gets in the blood. And I've tasted my share of the sweet life and the wild ride and found a little is not quite enough I know how I can stray and how fast my heart could change Empty And the point
every vain ambition and the poison of my pride. Yeah.